Good evening, everyone. Another edition of the Weekend Wrap upon us. Apologies for last week. A um, bit of sickness uh, with me, and uh, as a result, when I should have been doing the cast on Wednesday night, I was leaving Macca waiting and uh, sleep on the couch. Speaking of Macca and Nick, how are you going, guys? Yeah, very good, thanks. Uh, I enjoyed the game today. It didn't go our way, but it was good to watch. Nikki, how are you? Not too bad. Uh, voice is a little croaky. I spent a lot of time yelling at umpires today. Yeah, the umpiring weren't great, were they? Welcome to uh, everyone who's joined us on Discord. Uh, obviously, you can chat to us on Discord either through the Discord app or direct from aflcrowcast.com if you go to the live chat uh, page and follow your nose there, follow the instructions there, you'll be able to hook straight into the chat. Also, thanks to everyone who's joined us on Facebook and YouTube. You can chat along with us on those two platforms. If you're listening in on Spreaker and trying to chat there, we won't be watching, so try and chat with us on another medium. Oh, <laughs> look, um, was a, I was really happy with the effort today um, by the Crows. I, I, I thought that they gave it everything. They looked... It's probably the, the, I wouldn't say the first, but the most obvious today that the lads really gave a shit. Um, they really cracked in hard. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, probably uh, a little unlucky to lose in the end. There's a lot to like about the game in the sense that, uh, um, as you said, it did look like our players really did care whether they won or lost. And to have two players injured uh, and very, very significant players injured, and yet uh, actually come from uh, behind and then uh, I think the three gold out of one state that stage and then get it to the stage that we really could have won the game. And uh, I think uh, definitely got the side is on the improve and definitely on the up and uh, they're going to win one very soon, probably next week. Nick, you were there, weren't you? How did you feel about it? I was. And before I actually got there, I was kind of a bit ambivalent because it was like, oh, God, what are we going to get? <laughs> um, but being at the game and actually being able to see some of those patterns, seeing some of the issues we still have, which I suspected but you can't see from the TV, but the boys really absolutely gave a dip and they were shattered um, that they couldn't get the win at yeah. the end, which is, it, you know, it's great to see. And Essendon, like, celebrated like they won a final. Um, it was a hard-fought game. It was... It was a great game for both sides. Just pity about the ones in green didn't bring the same level of commitment. Oh, they've been very inconsistent ever since they got the edict from the AFL to change the their interpretations on a couple of rules. It's just been very hard to follow. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't envy the umpires at the moment. The AFL are really trying to manufacture an entertaining um product. protecting the players got the ball there were so many head high hits yep. of the player actually going for the ball with his head over the ball they are supposed to be protecting that player and they just weren't doing it it was so noticeable which then makes it slightly dangerous yeah there was um, one on was it bell chambers the one that you were t- thinking of where he uh, tackled i think it was Lockie murphy actually tackled Lockie murphy and it was a, yes, uh, a clear uh, over the shoulder because bell chambers was simply too tall to get him underneath the shoulders <laughs> and the umpire just played it on and it was dead set obvious and there was a lot of examples of that but look having said that i don't think that in the end I, I think that um our wasted chances were just as much of an issue as uh, the umpiring. Um, so, uh, but look, good effort, and uh, you know, lot, lots to be happy about. 
Let's uh, before we get in too deep. Let's d- and look before we go on. Uh, g'day to a couple of people who've joined us on Twitch. Uh, we are running on Twitch as well. So TJS and uh, who's the other guy, Lupus or something or other. Uh, I'll find him here in the chat. Lupus. Uh, g'day guys, excellent uh, to see you joining us on Twitch. Let's have a look at the weekend's results, shall we? Oh, funny old week again. Uh, some close games. Bulldogs uh, seven nine fifty one got up over Gold Coast six ten ninety uh, forty six. A margin there of five points. Did any of you guys watch that one? Certainly did. It was a good game and very very even as you can tell by the scores. And uh, but the Bulldogs have just got this habit of uh, winning the tight ones at the moment, and uh, they. Well, they've got a very, very good midfield. Um, Bailey Smith, who I pumped his ties up before, yeah. he's going to be a very, very good player. Yeah. And um, McRae, of course, is a star. So, um, And they really, it was those players that got them over the line in the end, along with the Bont as well. But uh, it was a very good game to watch and very competitive. And the Gold Coast, well, they've really, they're going to win a lot more games this year. Yeah, uh, they're on the rise. Uh, probably a game that they felt that they should have won, I reckon, Mecca. Um, and if they are going to continue to rise up the ladder, they are going to have to win those games. But that said, exactly. you know, Bulldogs yeah. aren't, aren't slouches at the moment. So, um, you know, honourable loss, I guess. But uh, Stuart Jude would be a bit, a bit beyond honourable losses now, I think, for this group. Very much um, so, I think. Yeah, look, GWS had a good win against a slightly depleted Richmond. I think they've made a bit of... They're out, but they were a little bit depleted. Uh, GWS 9868 to Richmond 61450. Imagine there of 18 points. I, well, I was bored it, by this game, actually. You, you know what? I was a bit bored by this game. Um, I've always had been a little bit partial to GWS because I've always, I've always thought they played pretty good footy, but uh, they haven't in recent weeks. But uh, they got a little bit of their mojo back, and it was and one of the reasons for that was Cornelio back on the ball that they've been pissing around with him up forward, and I don't know why, but he's been carrying an injury or whatever, but they put him back in the middle, and, and along with his mate Whitfield um, and Kelly, etc., uh, they were far too good for Richmond. They really should have won by a lot more, in my opinion. I, I, don't, I don't think Richmond won't win a flag this year, that's for certain. No, they're not really looking like it, but look, uh, judging by how West Coast have turned it around in the last couple, it's a bit hard to read. I reckon I reckon teams will be just trying to get into the finals, and then it might be a whole new ball game, Mackie. You know. Well, and while that's true, and I, I do agree with that, I, but I was looking at the, the, at the actual manpower they've got, and I just don't think they have the manpower that the the sides that I think who are likely to win the flag. And uh, mm. for example, like West Coast, for example, now they've yep. got their mojo back. I I don't think Richmond are going not this year. Yeah. Um, Carlton had a decent win over North. Carlton nine ten sixty four to North nine three fifty seven. A margin there of what's that? Seven points. Um, Carlton sort of looked fairly comfortable and then uh, only squeaked in in the end. Well, I'm apparently like hell for North Melbourne because um, to keep that gap between ourselves and them, yeah. so yeah. we can get that number one pick. Um, and I thought North Melbourne were very, very gutsy because they had the players off injured and yet they did make a comeback against Carlton when it did look like the game was all over. But mm. uh, Carlton are a pretty good footy side this, this year and uh, they, they might uh, actually sneak into the bottom part of the eight the way they go. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, and so they bloody should, really. Um, there's really no excuses for Carlton now. I think they've got 
a decent enough spine um, with Doherty back and uh, Cripps in the middle and um, um, Kasbolt starting to learn or having learnt to kick over the summer apparently um, and McKay up, up forward as well. Um, it's, it's taken him how many years? Yeah, but look, you know what? I'm really, I'm really happy for the guy because he's a clunker of a mark, and yeah. uh, you know he could have been anything if he'd have kicked straight earlier in his career. And the fact that he's uh, got it together now uh, means that he can probably get another fifty or sixty games out of his career um, and end it on a pretty good note. So good on him for persevering. Um, Sydney and Hawthorne. Sydney getting up nine six sixty to Hawthorne seven eleven fifty three. Clarko's starting to have a whinge. Uh, doesn't yeah. like losing, um, having a whinge about... What do you say? If there was anyone that was going to uh, milk a free, it was Papley. Has he actually watched his team play over the last five years? Yeah, I, thought, <laughs> I really thought that was out of order and quite pathetic by Clarkson, who obviously is running out of things to say because uh, he wanted rules changed and they jumped and they've changed rules and made a nice mess of your game in doing so. Um, and now he's having a crack at Papley. Papley's a bloody good footballer. Papley yes. goes for the ball. He's very, very clever. So uh, uh, when they say milk the, he milks the free, he actually gets his body in front and he gets after we the ball. He didn't milk so. the free anyway. The guy came from side on. Papley didn't even see him coming. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Uh, who was it? Um, oh, I forget his name. He's like twice the size of the bloke. So, I mean, you know, um, yeah, I could have a bit of a lunch. I, I wouldn't mind betting that uh, Clarko starts to look for another opportunity. Um over the next couple. I don't know whether he's got it in him to do a rebuild at Hawthorne. Well, they're not going to win a flag, are they? Uh, not with what they've got. And uh, they they really uh, do... They've, what they've done for the last three or four years, or maybe five or six years or seven years, they just keep grabbing players from other clubs and losing their uh, draft picks. Yeah. And, but they're not, they're not building any juniors, and they've sort of come to the end of the line. You know? Well, and that's they it. That, that's and, it, Matt, you know. Uh, I mean, look, and you can't blame him. He went to the well a few times with recycled players and, and you know, it was successful. Um, yeah. They had a pretty good core with Mitchell and um, uh, the other midfielder that went to Melbourne. Jeez, my mind's a blank tonight. Um, oh, he's a commentator too at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so... Um, left foot of Cutman, you know. Oh, fucking hell. I can't remember his name. Anyway, um, so, you know, I mean, it's done done them well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think they're going to have to go to the uh, draft table and it might take them a couple of years, to be honest with you. Definitely. And that's really not their forte. It's, and that'll be a real testament to their list management of whether they can Absolutely. change to that kind of... Um, so that might actually make Clarko jump yep. if he can't get it done quicker. Yep. Yep. Agree. Um, St Kilda having a rousing win over Port Adelaide. St Kilda twelve one seventy three to Port six eight forty four. A margin there of twenty nine points. Uh, that was delightful to watch. Yeah, it's oh, a joy to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it really was one of the highlights of the weekend. Um, the thing yeah. I liked about it, Macca, was that St Kilda beat Port in a completely different way to the way they beat um, Adelaide the previous week. You, it was a well, completely different game. It was a completely different game. They 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 shut down Port close. They played Port a lot closer. Uh, they were a little bit more free flowing against Adelaide, but against Port, they really played them close and and put a ton of pressure on. Um, and uh, I, I I really like the way Ratten's got. A, I would say a good ordinary list going at the moment. 
Well, Ratton's a very, very good coach. I really have a lot of time with him. I wouldn't have minded if he had been our, our coach because uh, um, he's, he's a good-thinking coach. And yep. you are right, Glenn. When I look back at the way he did take it, he did, he did shut them down, whereas they were uh, quite free-flowing and attacking against us. Yes. Uh, so you're right on the money. Uh, so it's good, good he spotted that well. Uh, Port Adelaide, um, they, what their, their weakness is really up forward in the sense that they rely on the big fellow up there and, and uh, Robbie Gray. And if those two don't really fire, well, then there isn't a lot lot else. And uh, yeah. uh, well, St Kilda, surprisingly, me, they surprised me. I know they, they, did, they brought a lot of players in and they brought about five of them. But uh, they're going a lot better than I thought they'd go. Yeah, I agree. Me too. Uh, look, Saints really knew uh, that Dixon was the one. Um, I don't think Dixon had more than two, go- uh, less than two going up against him the whole game. And uh, Correct. He's having a good year, Charlie, and, you know, I, I rate him a bit and he's got himself fit and all the rest of it, but there's only so much one bloke can do and, you know, they probably need a bloke like Jack Watts to step up and, and create a bit of a foil for him up forward. Um, that, because won't, that won't happen. No, well, it won't, um, and it's probably going to see them lacking against sides that are good in the air um, defensively. So, uh, good win by the Saints. Um, who else do we have? West Coast absolutely built in Collingwood, 18-3-1-1-1 to Collingwood 6-9-45, a margin there of 56 points. I reckon Lost that's about the biggest score we've seen, isn't it? Yeah, I lost interest in the game because it started off with uh, Collingwood and jumped, jumped them in a bit early, but then uh, West Coast got, got going and then as the game went on, it was just far too good, far too good. And um, they really do have... Well, in this particular game, anyhow, they really got their game going. Collingwood got uh, quite desperate and they put uh, Grundy up at full forward and the, uh, the other chap in, in the ruck and stuff like that, putting moving players around, but... Um, no, West Coast far, far too good, and I said I lost interest in the game eventually. Yeah, um, it wasn't an overly inspiring game, other than West Coast probably reintroducing themselves as a as a uh, premiership contender. I think. Correct. Um, yeah, Collingwood a couple of big outs. Degoy is a big one uh, for them, uh, and the fact he's missing the season, I think, isn't he, or at least a fair few weeks. So uh, no, it'll effectively be the season because of. He's going to be about ten weeks. That, yeah, that, that, yeah. The season. yeah, yeah. So he's cooked, and and he's been absolutely killing it uh, the last yeah, few electric, weeks. Yeah. Mm. Um, the game in progress still. Uh, the Lions. Uh, it's about, uh, well, probably no more than five or six minutes left in the game. The Lions seven nine fifty one to Melbourne seven seven forty nine. So only two points in at the Melbourne Footy Club. Just getting a goal there uh, to get it back to two points. So. Um, Geez, uh, Brisbane wouldn't want to drop this one, I don't think. No, um, well, irrespective of the results, I think Melbourne are going to be a reasonably good side this year. They, I mean, they were absolutely terrible last year, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, Petrarca has really uh, stepped up and made himself into um, a, a, a premium midfielder rather, rather than just another player. And, uh, yeah, they, 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 look, they look pretty good, Melbourne. Win, lose, win, lose or draw, they'll be around the place. Yeah, uh, we'll keep you posted, uh, those that are listening live um, during the course of that game. Uh, the ladder, lady and gentlemen, uh, the power, despite losing, stay on top of the ladder um, quite convincingly at the moment. Uh, Brisbane will stay second regardless. Um, St Kilda up to third, West Coast up to fourth, the Bulldogs on fifth, they're all on five wins. 
the Bombers also on five wins with a game in hand, obviously, because of that uh, that cancellation. They're also uh, going probably... I mean, I think... I can't see the Bombers making the eight, to be honest, but, uh, you know, they're making every post a winner at the moment. Uh, the Collingwood Magpies in a little bit of trouble, uh, four and three, along with Richmond in the eight, and then Geelong, Gold Coast, Carlton, and GWS also on four wins. Uh, the Demons might also join them on four wins uh, at, in 13th. Then we've got Sydney and Hawthorne also on three wins. Frio on two wins with a game to play. North also on two wins. And the Adelaide Football Club. Uh, we're nearly at 60%. Nearly at 60% down the bottom. Yes, and playing the uh, North Melbourne Football Club next week, who are, who are our only threat, I think, uh, for the wooden spoon. Yeah, genuine ch- on today's effort, probably a genuine chance, I would say, to be honest, to be uh, to to beat um, North Melbourne. Uh, yeah, well, I, 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 if they reproduce that form as they did today, I, I would expect them to win. Yeah. Speaking of today, let's get right into it, shall we? And it was the Essendon Football Club nine goals eight sixty two defeating Adelaide. Eight goals, eleven fifty nine. A margin there of three points. Uh, we've mentioned a couple of things already, Nikki. I'm very interested to get your overall view, having attended the game today. Um. Well, the first thing first is that Matt Crouch obviously got told something and he listened, which was <laughs> get the fucking ball forward, um, and he did it most of the time. So that was quite surprising. I did like the look of. Um, that midfield setup. Um, I mean, yes, we we lost Brad, but that meant we we really did stick to those structures. We always had at least one, if not two, quicker players um, in that midfield. Lynchy got put on the wing a couple of times, um, which I thought is actually a good move. Uh, what were some of the other? Um, it was a part of the problem was Essendon were very good at slowing us down, which a lot of teams are, we were still making some mistakes and particularly our delivery up forward that we would, we would go for the long bomb and they always had two extra players back there. And you saw that numerous times that they would mark pretty much on their own. There were shorter options available, which we should have done those shorter ones, switch it around, create that bit of space and movement and try and split those two players away from, from covering it. So the problem we've still got is those forward entries, um, still those high bombs. There were some really nice linking passages of play, uh, which was good to see, particularly the one that resulted in the the Murphy goal um, in the first quarter. It was really nice movement um, down that sidelines. There was still a little bit of a panic kick or the, that handle, bit fumbly. Um, but overall, you know, it was a lot better effort than what I expected. Um, and I think we, we looked better and a bit quicker out of that back line, which is one of our issues we've had. And as much as I do like Jake's endeavor, Kelly, and I do like him as a defender, he is, as we've spoken about on the cast quite often, he is, we can't have him, Hardigan and Talia trying to bring the ball out of that back line. It's just too <laughs> that, that, That's one hell of a radio voice you got going on there, Nick. Um, I, I did I, a I lot feel of yelling. Like, I, I feel like just dimming the lights and maybe having a, uh, you know, a, a light cognac and 
<laughs> well, put it this way. I was I did spend a lot of time last night yelling uh, because my girls were undefeated playing the other undefeated team and we won by three points or two oh, points. Very good. So I did a lot of yelling in that game and then I backed it up with a lot of yelling in this game. So hence my lovely voice. Well, listen, I... Um... I had a line into the game even though I wasn't there because uh, Cam was there today and he was reporting in a few things. And I asked him a couple of questions. One of the questions that I asked him was about our forward entries because they were on the TV. It looked like, you know, our forwards were out of position. They weren't leading, uh, you know, and forcing our guys to kick in high. And he his observation about our forward 50 entries is that we just don't take the first option. And so often no. we'll, you get text leading up and back and up and back. And you get Lynch leading up and back, up and back. You know, the tools leading and then having to double back. And a lot of times the first and even the second and third leads are ignored. And I think that's been a bit of an issue for quite some time uh, for our team. And I don't know why it is. Um, but we just don't seem to want to take the first option. And it's the same coming out of defence, Nick. You know, I watched our defensive... Uh, transition really closely um, today and it just seems to me that our our running patterns aren't very dynamic if you I, I watched the difference between what Essendon were doing out of defense and what we were doing out of defense and there's just no dynam- dynamism in the way in which we move and offer options um, we're almost just content to go down the line and try and get a stoppage at the wing and reset um, we don't often want to take particularly when we're coming off a point or uh, when we've got the ball very deep in defense we're not willing to take um, uh, the opponents on and try and get a couple of diagonal cuts through and and open up the corridor we're just content there to was, go down that side there was some really nice open spots in the in the middle of the ground we would yeah. had we had a player there and there was that pause and oh and then the, it was like, oh, no, I've got to go back to down the line, down the yeah, line. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the one other issue I kind of do have with a bit of our forwards is that they very much lead or they stay, they allow the defenders very much to man that corridor. Mm. They let them have goal side. And yeah, a couple of times we were kicking to the spots where our forwards should have been leading to because it was the most dangerous one, but they were leading out to the boundary line. Was that maybe well, because put, it was a second or third lead and they'd already run up the bloody corridor a couple of times? Possibly, right? Um, yeah, a little bit. I, I do. I will say, you know, I'm a fan of Himmelberg. Yeah. And what he can bring to the game, and I think his movement is so much. And that tap to Stengel. Yeah, you know, that was that was very um, nice. And he crashed, done. and he crashed a couple. Like he would crash packs. This is something we're wanting him to do. He was making those contests and he heard a couple of Essendon players and I'm just like, thank you, Elliot. That's what you need to do is that kind of forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to call you Mr. Himmelberg so again, though, because you're being a bit kind. He didn't do a lot. <laughs> well, he really I don't think he did. He didn't do it. We'll, we'll get into uh, players in a minute, a uh, lady and gentlemen, as you're uh, well aware of our format. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> the only other... Ob- yeah, we ignore it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the only other observation um, that I got confirmation from cam from is is what i've observed on our midfield for quite a while and the fact that we i mean we got absolutely slaughtered in the middle and we'll go through the head-to-head stats shortly but one of the things that i observed on the telly and i asked Cam to, what, what he was seeing and he agreed is our, our players just want to get body first they are not yep. intent on 
the ball they intend on the body. I think we spoke about this the other day. And what it does, it actually opens up space. It, 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 it provides room for the opposition to run into. And there's a few times that Essendon were very good at blocking off Chase a couple of times and getting his opponent free. And because our other midfielders were intent on the body, there was a ton of room uh, behind where Riley O'Brien had obviously run in you know, for the contest. Um, and Bell Chambers was just putting it down there and they were just running it through. So I, I don't know what this um, obsession is with getting body on body in the midfield. I th- whether it's a confidence thing, whether it's a coaching thing, whether it's just a habit from a long period of time under Camparelli in the midfield, I'm not sure. But we lack dynamism in the midfield. Um, we just just want to body up and try to out-muscle and scrag a kick forward there's no clean movement at all and it's it's an indictment it's no wonder we're getting flogged in the center clearances at the moment yeah ben keever is one that i do like in the sense that he while he's minding a man he if he sees ball he goes ball Um, hasn't been in our system long enough to be indoctrinated yet (laughs) i I would say though he was one of our better players today definitely yeah he was very he was very good today um and i think I think if they had um, Shields playing, he probably wouldn't have been as effective because their other mid, like whilst Merritt is good, it's still not at the level of Shields. Um, Merritt? Merritt's a star. Uh, yeah, but I still think Shields is just that little bit more quality than him. Oh, Shields Merritt. is silk, but and, I, I, I've got a lot of time for Zach Merritt. Well, yeah, yeah, same. And yeah. he absolutely ripped us up. But I think one of the funniest things I actually – Saw, and, the, and this is a problem with our midfield, is that they go to line up and they've put Tip and Woody in there and he goes and stands next to Matt Crouch. Now, Matt, if you've actually got a brain in your head, you would swap immediately with somebody else because there's no way you're going to be able to stop Tip and Woody. No, Matt no, should have just made Matt, room. Sure enough, Matt he went to try and body him, just as you, as your yeah. example just said. He tried to body him, got bumped off, and Tip and Woody just did that clean run through. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Crouch should have uh, dropped Tim Woody in the same bucket of quicksand that he was standing in. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's get on to some head-to-head stats, shall we? Because we love our stats here at Crowcast, don't we? Um, now, I'll just run through some figures, then uh, I'll bring my charts up and we'll have a look. Oh, and by the way, for those of you who are good enough to follow us on Patreon and support us on Patreon, uh, and don't forget, you can support us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Crowcast. This week, finally, I've been able to share, for the first time, Nikki and Mecca, I've been able to manage to share my spreadsheet uh, stats. Uh, So if you are on Patreon and you want to have a look at the stats and mess around with the filters and have a look at some different things, um, the link is on the Patreon site. Eventually, it'll be... um, It'll be password protected on the website, but I didn't have time to do that. So for now, just go to the Patreon AFL Crowcast um, page and you'll see the link there. Have a play around with it. And I would love your feedback because, um, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a bit of a development headspace at the moment. So catch me while my mind's on it and uh, we'll, we'll get it looking exactly the way you want it to look. Now, uh, disposals uh, fairly even. Uh, 317 to 322 Um, we did uh, I felt like we handballed a little bit too much but again uh, it was probably a little bit more constructive than in previous weeks Mac and Nick would you say? 
Well, uh, well, basically, I can see what Nick's is trying to get them to do. A lot more forward handballs. And yep. uh, when you do the forward uh, handballs, the bloke receiving the balls, he can actually attack from there. And uh, we did a, quite a few of those today. A season was on the end of a couple of those and uh, again, gave us some good run uh, running through like that. So I, I think that's part of the, uh, the, the attacking handball, I think, is, is one of the things that Nick's is trying to develop. Yeah, um, we got out-tackled, um, 76-54, which was a bit disappointing. I felt like we were at them, uh, pressure-wise, but I didn't feel like we stuck enough tackles. Um, and uh, that showed Good in the point. stats. Um, Bill Chambers, even though the hit-outs were fairly even, I, I felt Rob had an absolute stinker uh, at clearance, um, and he was far less effective around the grounds. Had a fit of the fumbles this week, as a couple of our tools did, and wasn't clunking those marks, so probably a little bit off uh, what Riley would be hoping for in terms of his form, um, but we certainly need him to at least be a little bit more of a nullifying um, force in those centre bounces, don't you think? Well, I was going to ask you, did, uh, and I don't know whether you have stats for that, did Rob actually hit any of his taps to any of our players? Uh, well, I know, I know that up to half time, I don't think he had a hit out to advantage, Mac. No, he didn't. No, not up to half time. He was zero. I don't yeah. know what happened after half time, but most games it's the same. His taps generally go to the opposition, and the opposition taps go to the opposition, and that makes it very hard for the midfield. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, uh, as I said, clearances uh, ended up being twenty nine thirty seven. That was because of an improved second half. But gee whiz, they touched us up in the first half. In clearances, uh, rebound 50s were even. Inside 50s ended up being even, but again, they were a bit lopsided in the first half. Um, we did struggle a little bit to get the ball deep inside forward 50 in the first half. Um, look, uh, contested possessions, I felt like we were at it. I, I felt like the, the effort was uh, very high, and I felt like we, we looked engaged. Um, so there wasn't a problem with getting contested ball. Um, our disposal efficiency was pretty reasonable, seven, just under 75%. Essendon going at 68.3. Um, contested marks, the same. Marks inside 50 wasn't really an issue for either team. Most of the goals were coming off the ground. Um, so, look, really, um, statistically, it was a far more even game. Um, tackles inside 50, 18 to 10. Essendon's way, um, and it may have been their ability to stop us uh, that uh, that helped them out. But uh, statistically, it was a pretty close game. Um, they just made the most of their opportunities, I think. Well, we, we I thought we had sort of lost the game rather than that they won the game in the sense that we had we just missed those easy shots for goal that we should have got. Um, and we, I mean, we, the same story last week. Um, it's very frustrating to, to, to do a lot of effort, do a lot of things right, and then somebody has a shot for goal, running an open goal, then they kick a point. And uh, I think we could have easily and probably should have won the game, but uh, we, we are our own worst enemy when it comes to having shots for goal. Yeah, probably not the clangers that we saw the previous week, but there were a couple that should have been kicked. Elliot Himmelberg should have kicked one. Um, That's the one I'm thinking of in yeah. particular. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so... Um, look, one of these days, Macker, I'm going to make you that 30 from 30 video because I just don't understand how they can miss those shots from goals. Look, I've got, 
I've got the graphs up at the moment and it show I've just got it on centre clearances right now and you can see if you're looking at it, uh, people at home, that we were six minus six in uh, centre clearances halfway through the second quarter, you know, when there'd been maybe, I think that was six zip. I, I think there'd been six goals kicked. Um, and, you know, from there we, we improved and we actually almost broke back to even Stephen towards the end of the third quarter. Um, but in many... Uh, it's interesting that once Brad went off, which was around about the point where we were six zip marker, um, we started to improve in centre clearances. I see in the chat they asked that question. Did, <laughs> did we yeah. improve in the clearances? We did. We did. The answer is actually yes. I knew it was, but I was going to let you have the glory for that one. Yeah. It's it's quite amusing that the Crouches play better without the other one on the field. Yeah, well... Yeah, uh, Definitely, they do. You know, one less bucket of quicksand to worry about. Look, both of them do exactly <laughs> this. Both of them do exactly the same thing. Though we've been saying it for ages. They're flat-footed. They go for body, and uh, they just get run off of. You know, they're they're too vulnerable they to a watch. block. Yeah, they exactly right, Nikki. If the ball isn't in their on their side of the contest, they just watch. Um, stoppage clearances was a little bit of a different story. Um, Essendon got heavily on top of us. Um, in the second half uh, at stoppage, um, and probably not enough has been made of that. But uh, I didn't. I didn't feel like we were effective around the around the stoppage contests at all. Clear uh, centre or around the ground. I, I just felt our midfield was pretty much ineffective. Well, what Essendon were doing mainly is uh, using. Uh, you know, Nicky wasn't giving merit his Jews before because a lot of times. Uh, Merritt would place himself so that when they got the ball, they'd fire it to him because he's such a brilliant user of the ball. That's why I rate him so highly, Nicky, because um, he, his possessions are much more damaging than a lot of others. He, he's very intelligent with, with his usage either by hand or by foot, and it's very rare for him not to get uh, another teammate out of it. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought he was very, very good. I thought he was probably their best player. Yeah, uh, look, and the other one that I'd just highlight in tackles, um, again, uh, it was fairly even up until midway through the second quarter and then Essen got on top, both in terms of tackles and also tackles inside 50. Um, and uh, they really ramped it up in the in the, in the the last quarter. Um, and I felt like their pressure in the last quarter was one of the reasons why we had trouble converting because everything was rushed. Um, so, you know, statistically, there's there's not a huge amount to really... Uh, identify. Look, we were we were ahead for most of the game in contested marks, and we should have been. We we picked a tall team. A tall team. We had Fisher, Mackesee, and Elliot, and uh, Tex in there also was um, you know three tall forward line. Um, and I I felt like Fisher started just started to show something. Did you? Oh yeah. Yeah, it didn't get the it didn't get a lot of. Uh possessions but uh, what I will say is that here is a kid that's just learning learning his trade and he we drafted him as a backman and we quickly put him up forward and I think that he's going to be a very good forward it's with him it's just a matter of time uh, physical development uh, team getting used to uh, the way he plays and the, him getting used to the way the team plays he, he's got massive potential upside and I think he, he's he'll probably end up being a forward I think yeah, don't know, uh, Nick. How did you see that? I, I felt like um, I felt like one of the downfalls that 
we had with our forward 50 entry is that our tolls were a little bit out of position. Yeah, so we were still doing the up too high when the defence has the ball. Yeah. Or, and then once we then get either the kick out or we turn it over, they're still up too high. So trying to get them back, we did always have one deep. And, and this is where we fell down was that, and it's something that is still an issue, it's that two-way run, two running. So Essendon were very, very good at either giving away that little free, so it allows them to get those extra players back quickly because the play's been held up, or they would really push us out wide, a high kick, so that gives them a chance to, to get those players back. We then weren't smart enough because there was that high ball coming up. We were relying on at least two of those talls to be up there to try and contest those balls on the wing. Yeah. Which only leaving one of them a bit deeper. Yeah. And then having to contend with not his own defender, but also another one and sometimes two um, extra defenders there in, in front of him. So we need to get them back. I think a bit better um, and we've got to be smarter about bringing that ball out. Um, but we, all we do is we bomb it long to the, the right-hand side. That's, yeah. we, we just do a kick down there. Which, you know, to be fair, that's all Essendon was doing as well in that last quarter. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but they were tired. When they were running, they weren't doing that at all. It was only when the no. game got a bit tired towards the end. Look, I've got Himmelberg, Mackesee and Walker highlighted on the screen at the moment. For those watching on uh, video, and uh, you can see there in the first quarter between them they had four marks. In the second quarter they had three, and in the third quarter they had three. In the fourth quarter they had none. But of those marks collectively, only two of them—one in the second, one in the third—were marks inside fifty. And that's, I guess, what I'm getting at. If you're going to play three talls, you only really need to have one of them. Uh, coming up the ground and I felt like at times Himmelberg and Mackesy didn't really work together terribly well I, I felt I liked Walker's positioning I felt like he played deeper for a lot of the game he came up a little bit but he, I felt like he was dangerous in that forward 30 definitely the smartest of the three where he's where he's putting himself yeah. and yeah. There, was, there was a lot of instructions from him about getting them into the right position because they yeah. often weren't so and and that's why we still need him in the team because well, these guys I, are still learning. I, look, I, I felt Tex played pretty well, to be honest. No, I, yeah, and his, on his own merits, um, uh, definitely not our worst. Good game. He, oh. he, was, he still wanted to to do that body, to get a that body bit. touched first. When he, when he had front position, yeah, he would go for the body. It's like, Tex, just put your hands out and put your ass out. And protect that ball and mark the damn thing. But you go to body, you've turned away from the ball to look where that player is to do the, the body work. And he never quite connected properly, which then got him out of position for the market. It resulted in a number of drop marks where he should have he should have kind of got him. So whilst Vardy Magic said Tex was in a best, yes, he was, but he could have been better. Well, he could have been. And, but I do, and, I, I, and, I, and I've always and I, I've always had a lot of time for Tex. I feel like over the last couple of weeks, it's probably the freest I've seen him move for quite some time. Yes. So from that perspective, I'm not too disappointed with his game. Um, you're right. You always get the impression that he could take more marks. Um, but that being said, 
um, he, I, I felt like he was he was certainly our most dangerous uh, forward. Um, I felt like McAdam was disappointing. Um, Sting was yeah. uh, probably our best Paul small McAdam forward. was getting taken out left, right and centre, either by us and players or by his own teammates. Well, i got an observation about uh, McAdam, and I will talk about that in a minute. Um, but I've just got a bit of a feeling about um, about him. Um, but anyway, look, the other thing that I just wanted to highlight with regards to our um, midfield, and I've got them set up at the moment... Uh, between Matt and Brad Crouch, Chase Jones and Keys, um, what have we got? We've got three, five, six, eleven centre clearances, five of which in the last uh, occurred in the last quarter, um, but got hammered around around the contest. Three in the first, um, two in the second, none in the third. Uh, in fact, we got absolutely belted at stoppage in the third quarter. Uh, we only had one clearance um, in the centre and no stoppage clearances. So, you know, and even if you take Brad Crouch out of that equation, um, you know, the the numbers still don't look great. Um, between Matt, Chase and Ben, uh, the numbers still don't look great, although they were responsible for most of the work, obviously, in the last quarter. So still got massive problems. Nix has got massive problems. He's obviously trying to allow Matt Crouch to redeem himself. Um, and I felt like Matt worked into the game. Um, but I, I just feel like we have to reassign Brad Crouch. Not that we're going to have to worry about it for a few weeks with Brad's hamstring, but we have to reassign Brad when he comes back into the team because I think... At the moment, they're, it's almost like they're playing reverse roles, and I think Matt can only be that in an, in an under player. That's all he can be. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, I, as I said off air, um, Matt was was horrific last week, absolutely horrific, and uh, uh, not he didn't do anything right last week. But I, I thought this was uh, a much better effort by him, particularly after Brad went off, which, as we all know, that that they look for each other far too much. But I thought um, at least. And another thing I think that Matt's definitely lost a yard of pace, and that's one of the reasons what which puts him under pressure a bit. Well, if you remember in 2017 when he won the BNF Macca, he had the ability to break away from the contest. And, it, and the thing that Correct. we noticed, and I'm sure you'll remember this, both of you, the thing that we noticed about Matt in that year was that his kicking was more penetrating. He was passing 30-metre yeah. passes forward. Um Every other year that I've seen him play, particularly recently, his kicks are backwards and sideways, and they're only you know barely fifteen meters. So we, rem- I remember talking about it in two thousand and seventeen and saying how much more effective his disposals were, not only because they were hitting a target, but because they were they were aggressive, attacking kicks. You know, they weren't just kicks to the easiest option. And that's what we miss from Matt most of all is his abil- his ability to find that thirty meter diagonal mm. pass out of out of the out of the congestion to to break us open, and that's the to- that's the type of play that we need from Matt. Now I don't think we've got much of that today, but um, I felt like he was trying to be more constructive with what he was doing. Agreed, and it was really noticeable at the ground. Um, my dad was at the game last week and he said it was also very noticeable the feedback he was getting from the crowd very loudly anytime he got a possession and he went backwards 
it was not – I don't think it would have been pleasant to be him uh, that game. He would have heard it quite a bit. So – and I think obviously the coaches heard some of that feedback and they tried to get him to be more proactive. Yeah. Well, he had a he had a very good second half in terms of possessions. He was quite in the first half, four and three yeah. disposals. But in the second half, he had 18 disposals. Um you know, uh, eight of those which was kicks. Uh, his, ex- his effective disposal rating as well in the second half was quite good. Uh, of those 18 disposals, 15 were effective disposals. So, um, you know, he didn't... Uh, I don't even think he had a... Oh, he had a couple, two turnovers for the match, uh, whereas just about everything he touched last week turned to lead. So, <laughs> Yeah, and they actually looked like they were deeper kicks than what we've seen for quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, look, I, I would rate Matt's game um, a D simply because of our collective uh, clearance work, a stoppage work. Um, but around the ground, I probably would would rate him a pass. Whereas last time it was a stay behind and repeat the year. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Um, look. Uh, I actually thought, what do you think of Tyson Stengel's game? I actually thought, particularly in the first half, he had a really good game. He was very energetic. Basically, any time he got near the ball, something happened. He's just such a creative player and he's such a smart one as well. So, and I like the fact that we're starting to use him in the midfield. Um, not sure if his tank is up to it, but he, you know, we might need to use him a bit more. Because he is very proactive and he's very smart about what he does. And that's what I like to see. He was much better today. I thought he had a stinker last week. Um, but I thought he was uh, reading the ball much better off of hands. Uh, that goal he got when uh, a pack went up and the ball went off sideways and he ran through, which mm. was absolutely front and centre off a of sideways, when the sideways pack, it's just beautiful to watch because that's and- what a small guy should do. And uh, I, I think he had a much better game. He can still do better and he, uh, hopefully he will. But uh, I think, as I said, last week, poor. I gave him a tick this week. And and that was actually off of Himmelberg. So he's played with Himmelberg in the SNFL. He knows that if Himmelberg's not going to mark it, he's going to bring it down and what side he's going to bring it down on. So that's the advantage of having our SNFL team. And there was the other one on the wing, which was Himmelberg went up in a pack, knew he couldn't mark it, and Stengel just took off down the side. And Himmelberg just did that beautiful little tap down to him, um, which kind of broke the Essendon, you know, players trying to stop us um, up. But that's what I really like about it. Want to see a bit more. Um, but it, Thanks, Elliot's mum. <laughs> because he's so good, we're using him more up higher. We also need him down back when we're doing those high bombs in and he's spending more time actually playing half forward than he is deep forward. Yeah, I felt like he was playing a little higher um, and that sort of leads me into um, uh, what I was going to talk about with uh, McAdam. I think the mistake that we are in danger of making with McAdam is that we're going to play him as a medium forward, and I actually don't think he is. No, I was looking not. at him today, uh, and I don't think he's got the stature to be a medium forward, uh, a.k.a. a Jack Gunston or 
even a even a Tommy Lynch for that. They're completely different players, but I don't think Shane's got the physical strength uh, to be a lead up forward, to be a third tall. He hasn't got the height to be a third tall, and he can't rely on taking specky marks because AFL players are onto him and they'll block his run and they'll they'll chop him out and all the rest of it. So I. This is the danger for Shane McAdam, I think, is that he's got to learn to be more effective at ground level because he's not going to get the same freedom to run at the ball. Well, you're 100% right because uh, we always tend to cluster in packs anyhow. Our forward line doesn't spread far enough for that to allow anybody like him to, to make that space anyhow. Um, but uh, he, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not tall enough or um, I know he has got a good leap occasionally, but He's, he's got a really. Oh, I've be seen a, him take some really good marks at, at, at SNFL level. I've seen him take some bloody rippers. Oh, yeah. But that, it's that, a different level, you know. As I said, AFL defenders are smarter than that. They watch tapes. Yes. They see what he does, and he, and can, he can't was, hang off the gonna, back. Sorry, Fane. That, yeah, I was going to back you up. That he can do it at the SNFL. He can be that medium-sized forward in the SNFL, but it's not quite the same in the AFL, and that. You're spot on. They are very good at blocking his run and keeping him out from making those kind of con- contests. Yeah, and I yeah, felt I'm, look, he's going sorry, to struggle go, because uh, for that very reason. Because you know, he I don't think his uh, groundwork is deadly enough either. Well, the best I've seen him play was the second half last week when he started to actually lead at the ball a bit, and he started to make a few runs and and uh, get into a bit of space. If he if he sags off the pack uh, and tries to be a marking forward, I think he's in a he's in a bit of trouble um, because we might get more value from Ben Davis in that role than uh, Shane McAdam. So uh, hopefully uh, the coaches are working with him to help him to understand what's needed from him in that role um, because otherwise he might find himself struggling to stay in. Um, Tommy Lynch, speaking of which, I thought Tom's game was serviceable. Um, I watched him quite closely. God, he, he provides so many options that aren't honoured. Um, yeah. You know, uh, what do you have? Five, eight, 11 kicks and three handballs for the game. Um, uh, had a good second half, a quiet second quarter. Um, but I felt like overall Tom played reasonably well. Um, but again, it and was confirmed by by Cam at the ground that so many times offers offers a lead and the the problem with Tom is that when he offers a lead and double back he ends up being behind his opponent I'd like to see him stay ball side of his opponent so that when he when he does offer that first lead and then double back that he actually can stop and offer a short secondary lead because at the moment, half the time I see Tom uh, contesting a mark, he's behind. Yeah, well, you know, I, thought, there's, I don't think anybody ever doubts Lynch's uh, efforts um, because he's got a, a massive uh, work rate and he's got the ability to run and run. But um, I don't think he's a dynamic user of the ball, though, Fane. I think um, that's one of the knocks I've got on him that... Uh, he, you know, he's prepared to work very hard to get the ball, and as you said before, that they're not always honoured, and therefore puts him in a perhaps a negative position. Yeah. Uh, but once he's got the ball, he, he's still not deadly enough with it. 
Well, if you look at his key indicators, if you're going to be a, I would have thought maker, if you're going to be a high half forward, if you're going to be that conduit, you've got to um, be one of the key drivers inside 50. He only had two inside 50s for the match, and they were both in the last quarter. Um, <clears throat> he took three marks in the first quarter, one in the third, but none of them resulted in inside 50s. He didn't take a mark inside 50 all game, and he didn't hit the scoreboard. So I don't doubt Tom's effort. I felt like for the last two weeks, Tom has been quite switched on. But again, it's his clarity of role. I don't know whether what we're getting from Tom is what we actually need to get from Tom. And I would have thought that one of Tom's first things on the whiteboard when he goes in on his review uh, on uh, of a Monday is, all right, Tom, how many times did you deliver in, inside 50? And how many score involvements did you have? Now, he only had three score involvements for the match, mm. which means that he wasn't part of chains. So even when he wasn't getting it inside 50, he wasn't part of a chain of ball movement that was getting it inside 50 um, and hitting the scoreboard so you know uh, we've got a lot a few players at the moment uh, Lockie Murphy's another David McKay's probably another that give you a, a 100% effort but what we're actually getting out of them as a consequence of their effort is is not enough it's not they're not they're not impacting the game the way they should be for the positions that they're playing if that makes sense Yep, or if they are, not often enough and uh, or inconsistent between matches. And Lockie Murphy is a very good example of that. Um, I thought he was pretty good today, actually. And uh, yet other games, I've been very critical of him. So uh, uh, you're right, though. Uh, we don't have that, that. We don't have that forward that is, uh, is uniquely every time we get to the ball is it's deadly that you know he's either going to get a goal or make sure somebody else gets a goal. Well, the thing about Tom was that he used to be able to get the ball at seventy out and used to be able to craft a way into our forward fifty, and that was his he, value. Yeah, he was a massive amount of our um, score involvements. Yeah. I mean that that's what his he was renowned for. Given that we were rebounding off halfback more often than not, and uh, he was providing that option. Um, you know, sort of between wing and half forward, and he was the one getting it into our forward 50, and he was also hitting the scoreboard himself. Now, um, you know, there's a variety of reasons probably why that's not happening at the moment. We're not getting the same uh, dynamic run out of our defence, but uh, Tom needs to be impacting the game in, in, in the ways in which he is there for, if you know what I mean. Uh, Lockie Murphy had a pretty good game. Um, what do you have? One, three, four, five handballs and five nine kicks so about 14 touches from half forward graveyard um which wasn't bad um but again what do we get out of he's in he's in there for his his pressure he, he provided one tackle for the for the for the game and that was in the first quarter um he had uh, a very good second quarter in terms of score involvements four score involvements himself um and kicked a goal, obviously. Uh, inside 50s, uh, he threw uh, one in the second, two in the third. So a little bit out of uh, Lockie, but again, not as much as what we need from a bloke that's playing his role. Yeah, I think what we saw is what we're going to get. I don't think there's a lot more in, in No, I agree, get. I agree. 
Yeah, but he came in, did what he was supposed to do, and we actually got more out of him than we've been getting out of McHenry, which is such a pity because um, we need Ned. So this might be a nice little, hey, Ned. Oh, Ned's got, a kid. Got, yeah. I know, he, he is a kid, but he's he's still got to do that. He's got to get a little bit more in terms of the scoreboard pressure um, in in that role. So that no, I, I'm, where I'm coming from is I think it might actually be good for Ned to see that there's that level is your base and well, you've got to do better than that. I actually agree with you, Nicky. I don't, I don't think McHenry, he's actually disappointed me, And to be honest. Uh, even when he's up and about, he, he's, he's not doing much other than being up and about. Um, so, but without the ball. I, I just think that uh, if, if you're small and you're quick, your job is to get the ball or tackle or whatever. I mean, you've, you've got to really be in it and be in it a lot, not just occasionally. And uh, for me, McHenry hasn't done enough. And uh, I, I'm actually disappointed with him so far. Yeah, look, um, oh, I'm prepared to give him a pass, Mac. He's three games into a AFL career. He's clearly undersized, um, as is Chase Jones, clearly undersized. Chase Jones will do some exciting things uh, next year with another 12 months in the gym. Um, but right now, it looks like a, a kid playing men's footy. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, look, I'm not bullish about Ned McHenry. Uh, I wasn't bu- really bullish about the selection in the first place. Um, but you get 100% out of him, uh, but I think for him to get 100% out of himself, he just needs to get a bit stronger. Yeah. Um, when, you, when you look at um, the three that Port Adelaide took, you think to yourself, Jesus, why have we got McHenry? Oh, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt about it. Um, look, a welcome return to form, particularly in the second half of Paul Seisman, I thought. Um, had the uh, nine kicks uh, and what's that? 11 handballs so 20 odd posies um, but I felt like it's the most engaged I've seen him in a game of footy for a long time how'd you guys see his game yeah you're 100% spot on it so you know, I thought was, one of the reasons for our revival in the second second half was really was a combination of him and Smith that they they actually uh, uh, used their pace and uh, and long kicking to advantage except for that last one Smith um but, uh, yeah, so I thought Seeds had a very, very good second half and uh, it was a bit of a welcome return to form. Well, they were using the centre square a bit too once Brad went uh, yeah. off injured and, uh, and and successfully, I thought. And Smithers, Smithers was part of that midfield rotational game, um, which I quite – I liked seeing him in there and I put him in as one of our best. Um, I think he was pretty consistent over um, – the whole game, but you're spot on there, Fiend, about seeds that he got more of his run. Um, there was more of that overlap happening. Yeah, a uh, couple of those kicks he had, those shots on goals, they were they were difficult kicks. Now he has well, even the one he ball. got was a difficult one. The, oh, that, yeah, that was the hardest bad. one of the lot. Oh no, the the last quarter one, right on the boundary, um, from the Eddie Betts pocket. Uh, that that wasn't easy, and he has killed him back before, but. Sometimes he doesn't quite get there, um, but it was that was more of what we expect from Seisman. Still not quite there, 
Mm. But it was a step forward. Well, six score involvements and um, look, his last quarter, four inside 50s and three score involvements um, was exactly what you want from your running wingman sort of mm. halfback kind of guy. Um, so I felt overall, if you're talking about value for effort, um, I thought uh, Seedsman uh, fulfilled what he needed to fulfil in terms of what we needed from him. Um, Brody Smith the same. Brody Smith had six uh, inside 50s in the last quarter and five score involvements had also eight score involvements and nine inside 50s for the match. So again, in terms of our delivery into the forward 50, it was Smith and Seedsman um, yeah. uh, that certainly collectively, particularly in the second half, um, were the main... Uh, main drivers into our forward 50. That said, Smithers at times, I think, could be a little bit more composed with his delivery inside forward 50. Well, he likes a long bomb. and yeah, uh, they were shorter options. And, and the long bomb is not always the right option, of course, if you haven't got anybody there. Yeah, I'd like <laughs> to see him drop his eyes a couple of times or, or yeah. just kick just just kick to the fat side. I mean, I know, I know that coaches don't like kicking to the open side of the ground because it opens up play on transition. But when you're trying to win the game and when you've got a, a side of the ground that is all clogged up with tools, you almost need to kick it to where you want your smaller forwards to run. And I think someone like Brody, with his kick, it could be really damaging if he just popped one out into the fat side of the ground and let Stengel and McAdam run onto it. He doesn't do that enough. Good point. Yep. Um, anyone else you want to talk about? No, Chase Jones, what a, he, had, he had a stinker. Absolute stinker. Six possessions. That followed in his six possessions last week. Yeah, so dead nothing in the first quarter. Uh, three in the second, one in the third, two in the last. Um, of those, uh, what do you have? Two kicks and uh, four handballs. It's not enough. It's not no. enough. No. Particularly when Brad was out of the game in the second half and halfway through the second quarter uh it's just not enough and you know i'll continue to say that chase is a year off being physically ready for afl football but he's going to have to work around that because he is if he wants midfield minutes and we all want him to play in the midfield and learn his craft etc etc but he's uh, putting him in the midfield means that we've actually got to get some output from him so chase has got to find a way i think yeah, well, at the moment, um, he's no... Remember that game he played against the the Bulldogs, which was... Uh, uh, what's that? Not last year, but the year before, I think it was. And which, last year. It was the very last game last year. It was the last game last year. Yep. And when he when he erupted, we thought, wow, yep. this yep. guy is going to be red hot. And we just haven't seen that this year. And uh, I don't know why, um, but he's, he's certainly... He's standing in the wrong spots. He's not going to the right spots. Um I, I when I see him near the ball or in con- any contest, he's going one hundred percent. There's no question about that. But he's just not in the right spot at the right time. And you know, Marty Magic suggests um, halfback flank or a wing. I, I would actually like to see him play uh, on a wing where he can play a little bit looser uh, than in the mids. At the moment, he's just not giving it in, to, in the mids. So why play him there? Yeah, two inside fifties, one tackle, uh, two score involvements. Um, from a first rotation midfield is just not enough. And I think what Chase has got to bring, uh, he's got to start tackling. 
I think he's got the pace. He doesn't have, obviously, the strength, but he's got the pace. And if uh, if Nix is uh, going to get any value out of him at the moment, um, a good way is to get him into a real bulldog mindset, and I'd like to see his tackle numbers up. Because one, one, one tackle, essentially, at the death um, is just not enough. Definitely not enough. And that's that's going back to that point you made earlier, Fame, that what he was doing was being more conscious of trying to get body at those ball ups um yep. in in the clearances. And that was and he was just getting that little bit too easily pushed off and he was too focused on doing that. Now I know from watching him in the SNFL, he's got a decent tackle on him and he has a desire to do that. But He's doing it at the wrong time. He's doing it before the ball has bounced. Well, uh, up. look, they've got to make use of his assets. And at the moment, his major asset yep. is his speed. And I spoke earlier about the fact that when we body up, it just leaves that hole behind Riley O'Brien that the opposition ruckman just tops, pops into um, and their runners are able to, to block and get one of them free to run through that space. Now... That's where Chase Jones needs to be running through, and I would like to see them free Chase up and not give him a man-on-man assignment and actually say, all right, you need to start doing enough damage that the opposition is going to start worrying about you. Um, You know, he is our quickest midfielder. Um, He's got a good leg on him, and I think we need to, as I said, free him up Give him some space, not give him a man-on assignment and let him run through those little pockets um, and see what he can do. Yeah, well, it's certainly at the moment he's uh, either, either it's a way he's trying to play it or he just hasn't got it at this stage because of his uh, lack of physicality in terms of his body. But um, I, I just don't think, well, going by these last two games in particular, um, he's either... Let him be unaccountable, as you're saying, Fiend, and then just see what the consequences of that are, one way or the other, uh, or put him out either a half-back flank or a wing. Um, no, I don't want probably... him out of the midfield. I, there's no point playing him out of the midfield, Mac. I, I know what you're saying. In a, in a stronger team, maybe. But at the moment, we've just got to... He's, he is our number one draft pick. He is our midfielder, and we need to... Allow him to learn his craft. I think, though, that he is not served well by our midfield setups and our our stoppage and our clearance setups. Not. And I think, you know, he's not going to outmuscle an opponent because he's two or three years behind in physical development. So we need to enable him to use his assets, which is his endurance and his speed. So he needs to be allowed to run around like a an unregistered dog with a licence to get the ball and to lay as many tackles as possible. Give him those two KPIs for a game. Get as much of the ball as you can and lay at least two tackles a quarter. You know, And if he can do that, then that's good output from him. Well, if he's going to play as a mid, uh, I've got no problem with what you're saying at all uh, because at the moment what he's doing is, is ineffectual. So, uh, yeah, um, if he's going to stay in the midfield, uh, do that. But if not, I, would, I still would uh, consider... Not dropping him, but putting him to a wing, just to, and then perhaps just rotating him through there occasionally, just to uh, leave him a more, bit, bit more of a taste of it, but yeah. not a hundred percent. People, the two we haven't mentioned yet, which uh, 
we're really, really made me very happy and very, I'm sure made most of our supporters happy uh, with the two boys down in defence, uh, Hamill and McPherson. I thought Hamill is going to be a very, very good player for us. I just loved his game today and I think he's going to be very, very good. And McPherson showed that uh, he has no nerves at this level at all. He's, he just spots in and he plays well. McPherson seriously looked like a 50-game player. He doesn't look like a novice, does he? No, at, at all. And his composure was just delightful. Now, I've known for a very long time how highly he's been rated. And you didn't quite see it at the SNFL and he's had all those injury problems. And then he's just come in and he's just like, yep, this is what I do. And he's still, he's got that real nice mix between attacking and defending. Uh, which was what I love to see. Hamill, I was very much interested to see how he was going to back up being targeted last week by the St Kilda because they absolutely blanketed him. And you could see Essendon were trying to do it a little bit, but he was running a lot straighter. He wasn't trying to do the book because that's what was getting him in trouble against St Kilda. And he was much straighter. And a couple of times I liked the matchups forward. We put him on Tip and Woody. Yes, he's a lot stronger bodied, but he's quick. Yeah, Hamill is very good at covering. Yeah, Uh, look, he had uh, seven kicks, seven handballs. Um, What's that? uh, Three, five, six tackles. Uh, A couple of rebound 50s. Uh, I felt his first half he struggled a little bit, Um, but he came into his own in the second half, I thought, and he was very good. Uh, In terms of McPherson, sorry, Mac. uh, McPherson, likewise... Not overly sighted in the first uh, half. Three kicks, two handballs. Second half, he had, uh, was that seven kicks? Seven kicks in the last quarter. Seven handballs. He had uh, six rebound 50s and a couple of tackles. Um, His last quarter was huge. So, uh, look, McPherson's in the team um, for the foreseeable future, in my opinion. He looks like he belongs. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you know when you consider what is it? That was his third game, and then and as Nicky said, you know his composure is incredible. Uh, it, no panic at all, and he, and his disposal is good too. Um, and Hamill, um, I thought Hamill really took the game on when it really counted. He uh, to me, I, to me, his performance was very close to being like a nomination for a rising star. I reckon. Uh, I, I liked it. I really maybe. did. Maybe. Um, what do you think of Laird's game? Better. Um, I think better than what he's been dishing up. Uh, there's still a couple of those bloody high, bloody balls. Oh, yeah. Uh, terrible. But, terrible. But you know what? He's been doing that since he came in. <laughs> so, although, as we pointed out at the start of the show, Casbolt's um, figured out how to um, kick. <laughs> Come on, lady. <laughs> Same amount of time. You should you should be able to to fix those a little bit. Do, do you know what but, it is? Do you know what it is? Off off when he when he's kicking over a mark, and I'm not being a dickhead here. He doesn't get far enough off the mark, and the reason I say that is because he's so bloody short. <laughs> no, it, seriously, Macca, he is so short. He has to get further off the mark because I'm sure he's forced to kick high because he gets too close to the man on the mark for his size. Does that make sense? Well, it totally makes sense because of mathematical angles, etc. So he does, yeah, because he's kicking from lower. Yeah. 
Look, statistically, Laird didn't have a bad game. I, I wasn't displeased. I, I think he's out of form, and I think he's struggling again uh, with his role in the side. Um, but, look, he put out some decent numbers. Uh, he certainly wo- wasn't our worst defender by any stretch. No, but J-Mac made a comment in the in the chat, which is uh, 100% spot on, and he said he's sick of Laird just jogging after opponents when he's close enough to influence play. And I noticed if they've got the ball and they're running towards their goals and he's running behind him, he's only going through the motions of running behind them. He doesn't. He's not going through the motions of, I'm going to get that bloke and get it. I'm going to burst by boiler and get it. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something, Mac, what a lot of people don't realise is that Rory Laird's not actually very fast. He's not a he very won't. quick player. Uh, <clears throat> he wasn't a quick player in juniors. <clears throat> so um, chasing, uh, you're not. he's not far above Matty Crouch levels in terms of running in quicksand. Well, he does get shown up then, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He does. Look, Laird's value is in his ability to get the ball at ground level and to be able to deliver. And until he starts to uh, find a bit of form and confidence and deliver in those more aggressive angles uh, to actually be more constructive, then he looks a very average player. So, you know, I think a, a bit of it's a product of his own lack of confidence at the moment and probably also a bit of a, uh, a product of the team that's around him. Yeah, that's probably true. But, because, I mean, he has been in All-Australia, hasn't he? In a yeah. good team. He was an All-Australian, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, what, I, what I was okay with in this game is... Even though, yes, okay, he's just jogging after the opponent. It just felt like he knows he's not in a good place, but he looked like he was trying to get out and work his way through it. And there were a couple of nice linking plays that he did with Smith, um, particularly in that last quarter, which kind of had me hopeful that he's slowly turning the corner. Yeah, a long way to go to get back to his form. Um, Could be trade bait. Um. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind betting that we might see him move to a Melbourne club, uh, particularly um, with his personal circumstances at the moment. Um, all right, that's that's about it in terms of individual stats. I I felt like um, it was a toss up probably between Benny Keys, um, Paul Seedsman, and Smithers. Yeah, maybe Smithers. For best on, I'd probably give it to Keys. Yeah, I'm I, th- I think close. he's. I think I'm he's been our this. most most consistent, hasn't he? He's, he's been a very good get, and uh, and he actually is playing like a guy who really wants to be in the side and really wants to cement his place in the side. So yeah, yeah, I, I'll give it to Keys. Nick, you reckon? Not a problem with that. Yeah, in terms of our young guns. Uh, if you don't call Keys a young gun, even though he really is, um, probably McPherson, I reckon. Yeah, Stengel didn't have a ga- bad game. Yeah, I love Hamill's dash though. I mean, he just he just puts speed into a team that hasn't got any, and uh, to, he just takes off really quickly. And mostly the time, his disposal is very good. Uh, although McPherson, as you said, he was almost faultless. Uh, yeah, it's just very very. Good. Uh, his composure is excellent, and I know I, I had them both on a par. Those two. Uh, yeah. One, one we didn't mention was, of course, it was a big loss. Was a loss of Duday. Oh, definitely. He, yeah, that hurt a lot. It really hurt because he started off very well, and, and you know he's a he, he's a guy that 
doesn't matter how much pressure there is there, he's still locked, he's calm and he's controlled and he and he just goes about his business and, he, and he's good. Look, and, I, uh, I felt, Macca um, and Nick, I felt that overall our back six or seven um, held up pretty strongly um, and did very well considering the loss of dudes. Um, absolutely. You know, so uh, I felt even, you know... <sighs> We've got to take the ball out of Hardigan's hands. Why have we got him doing kickouts, for God's sakes? Um, oh, but, probably God. doesn't. When did no, he do one? Well, he he did, did. Did about three. Oh. Um, and what he does, and Luke Brown did it as well. It might have been Laird. I can't remember, but I don't know why. If you're going to kick wide, kick to the bloody boundary. We kick it to the, to the point of the um, centre square. And you turn the kicking that to a contest. If it gets turned over, that's a direct avenue to goal. Absolutely. Whereas, it, whereas if you're going to kick yeah. it long and wide, get it the hell out. You know, not not basically at the at the point of the square. That's that's just the wrong spot to put it. So Hardigan did that a couple of times, and it was either Brown or Laird that did it once or twice as well. Um, but overall, I, I thought our back six was good. Um, um, I, I've got a question though. What the hell did Devin Smith do to Talia? Because Talia was not happy with him, and that's very rare Didn't for Talia to, to react. He did it twice. He had a go at Devin Smith. Like, he came back into the field of play and just, like, absolutely shoved him and had some words. It's very, very unusual from Talia. Yeah, and no, I didn't see it, Nick. Did you no, see it, Matt? No, no, the other one I was going to mention was the Matt Crouch, um, the headbutt uh, situation with the uh, Essendon player. I can't remember his name, but uh, I've actually watched that Townsend. very Townsend, that's right. Watched it played in slow motion many, many times, and I don't think it was a headbutt. I think what actually happened was yeah, that he just pulled him. He pulled him by the curtains until their heads clashed. Well, my theory is, Mac, that once Brad was off, uh, Matt wanted to uh, spend the rest of the game on the bench as well, um, <laughs> and therefore he was actually trying to give himself concussion uh, by making the other bloke headbutt him. <laughs> it was it was funny though because and I think this is what they should probably actually use in terms of defensive if it does get up as a headbutt is he didn't react to actually headbutting he just like bashed him and kept at him mm. if it was a proper like if you're going to headbutt somebody you you look for the reaction he was just pulling him and they yeah. just clashed heads and he didn't just realize they clashed heads until he yeah. started bleeding that's right that's right yeah. nothing nothing yeah, he might get a fine. Um, but I thought it was quite pathetic. He reported both just in case. Well, yeah, well, I don't think he knew what had happened. So, and Crouch had yeah. blood. So, I and, think that was and reasonable. And he said that. He said, I've reported both of you. I didn't quite see everything that happened. We'll look into it. So, we've got a couple of uh, changes that, uh, that are going to be forced on us for next week. Uh, we're going to have to replace Brad Crouch, obviously, and also Tom Today. Is it time that finally we get to have a look at Young Shoal? Surely. I would hope That'd so. That would be nice. I would hope so. And are we going to get Pahoki back in the team where he deserves to be? Because well, he did not deserve to get dropped. Uh, I don't well, think Pahoki comes in unless on. Matt Crouch comes out. I think I think that's the... Fred. No, well, I don't think Pahoki comes in for anyone other than Matt Crouch because I I just don't think the, the, uh, the rotations work otherwise. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think... I don't think a Hulk will come in for Brad. I really don't. Yeah, you're thinking slow for slow because Pahoki is slow. Well, and also in and under for in and under. Um, yeah. uh, we'll probably get... That, but that's not hard. 
Yeah, yeah. I, look, I think we might see Atkins in for Crouch and a bit of a rejig in the midfield rotations. Um, oh, spot on, spot on. Yeah. Uh, the only other one, as I mentioned earlier, I think might be in a little bit of danger is um, McAdam. Um, they might want to have a look at um, uh, Benny Davis. Davis? Uh, I, would, sure. I wouldn't be against that because McAdam isn't setting the world on fire. Well, he's had a couple of weeks, and I'm not one for giving kids only a couple of weeks and dropping them, but he would need to, as I said, I think he needs his role clarified, and I think he needs to be comfortable in playing that role, and he probably deserves a couple more weeks, but uh, I'm sure Benny Davis would be champing at the bit. Um, obviously, uh, the other one to look at is whether we maintain the three tools with Himmelberg, Mackesy and Tex. I didn't mind it, actually, to be honest with you. I did not mind it, as long as they put a bit of work in with Himmelberg and Mackesy during the week, just with regards to their positioning. Yeah, and they shouldn't be uh, as close together as they were most of the time. They should be really going in different directions to make it very difficult for the opposition. And as uh, Matty says in the chat, um, Darcy might be ready next week, uh, which will be interesting as well because, again, I don't, have, I don't see Tex and Darcy in the same forward line. I just can't. It doesn't work, in my opinion. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Yeah, another thing is somebody in the chat, DSG, says Atkins and Gibbs. Um, well, I've forgotten about Gibbs. There's every chance he could get a game this week. But well, he certainly if not this week, it will certainly be in that crowd of the uh, period where the four matches or five matches are uh, squashed into a very small period of time. Yeah. So you'll definitely get a run there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, look, um, I think that just about does it. We've got North next week. Um, uh, if they bring that level of intensity, I think they're a show. Um, I think... Uh, our younger kids have got a couple of games into them now. I think uh, we've spoken about the need for a couple of them just to kick on a bit. So it's going to be very interesting next week against North Melbourne, who I don't rate terribly highly, um, but do have a couple of good individual players um, that can hurt you. So um, a good opportunity maybe for us just to... It would be nice... I know we all want number one draft pick, but it would be nice to get a win or two. Um, Yeah, just for the development. Just for you the just for the that. confidence, just for a bit of well, reward for effort, you know. Well, it'll be. I reckon it'll be a dog eat dog type of game because that's the way North Melbourne play. They they scratch and they fight and they claw. And I think that uh, uh, if we bring our best game, I think we can win it. Uh, but we would have to be prepared to fight and scratch and claw back in uh, as, as much as they do because that's the way they play. And and all I say is that it's been pleasant to see the past two weeks is that we've it's a four-quarter effort. So whilst there's little lapses within individuals, the team overall, we, we haven't had those big quarter lapses like we were having earlier on in the season. Yeah, no, it's been good. Maka and Nikki, uh, I've enjoyed the, uh, the return to some sort of, um, how should I say, um, respectful discourse. Amongst us this week. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> uh, now, look, thanks to everyone who's joined us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Spreaker, Discord, all the platforms. We hope you've enjoyed the show this week. Don't forget, if you're a patron, uh, go to the Patreon page and check out the stats. They're a bit interesting. If you want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. Um, it would be much appreciated. Uh, and 
until next Sunday. Stay safe and be good. Maka, be good. Nikki, as well. We'll see you next I'll week. I'll my best to be. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Not at all.